Jesse Kelly Show. Let's have some fun on the world-famous Jesse Kelly Show. But I want to address the big thing, which is the election last night in Georgia. Raphael Warnock defeats Herschel Walker, beats him pretty soundly. Democrats now have a 51 to 49 advantage in the Senate. And maybe, maybe today you're feeling pretty down. Maybe you went into last night and you thought to yourself, woohoo, maybe we're even out in the Senate stalemate gridlock. And then you woke up today and thought, oh no, Democrats have the votes and it sucks. And okay, all right, that's, that's, let me attempt to make you feel better in my own way. Let's pause on that. Pause on all, all that stuff for a moment. Put that in your back pocket. Let me envision this scenario with you. I want you to picture this. I want you to picture you are sitting in the corner of a room. It's a big room. 30 by 30, all right? So it's a big room. And you're sitting in the corner on the floor. You're on the floor in the room. And you have your hands tied behind your back. And your feet are out in front of you. And they're tied together as well. So you're stuck there in the corner. And you're basically helpless. And there is a bad man in the other corner of the room. And he says, I'm coming to beat you up. And you're looking around for help. And you think, oh, man, jeez, okay, could someone help? And out comes this guy, huge dude, looks like he's going to be tough as nails. And he steps in between you and the bad man. And he looks at you and says, don't worry. Rely on me. I'm going to protect you. And the bad man across the room charges at you. And the, the big guy who stepped in between, he steps in between and says, no. And he, he puts his hands on the bad guy, but he slows him down, actually, for just a minute. And then he gets thrown out of the way, and the bad guy runs, and he just starts beating the crap out of you. And eventually he stops and goes back to his corner. And you're sitting there, and gosh, you got a bloody nose. And oh, man, that he hit me in the eye. And... Man, I feel like I might have cracked a rib. And you look up at the tough guy who said he was going to protect you. And you say, hey, man, I thought I thought you were going to protect me. What, what's wrong? And he says, oh, man, I'm sorry. I tried. I, I, I think I sprained an ankle. My fault. Next time, though, I got you, bud. If he tries that again, he's going down. He's never going to touch you. And then the bad guy, once again, charges across that room. And this time... The guy, the big bad dude in between you, he puts his hands out and he just gets smacked in the face and he falls to his knees and says, oh no, my nose. And the bad guy gets clear across the room and starts punching you and kicking you again. And then eventually you got both eyes are black and the nose is broken, half your ears hanging off. And you look at the guy once again who said he was going to protect you and you said, bro, you said it was a sprained ankle. You said you had him the next time. What, what, what happened there? And then the bad guy says, I'm coming to beat you up again. And this time, the big bad guy who was supposed to protect you, he says, hey, man, uh, I'm a little gassed. I'm going to take a week off. I'm going to step out of the room. So he walks away, and now it's just you and the bad man. Let me ask you something. Does him walking away make any difference at all? What, what did you gain? By having him there. 
Oh, he sounded good. He said all the right things. Gosh, he looked good. Man, he looked like he was ready to fight. But in practice, he didn't didn't help you out at all. I mean, for maybe half a second, he slowed the bad guy down before he could get to you. But are you any better off sitting there with your lips hanging off your face? No, he didn't help you out one bit. So, yeah, it sucks you're still stuck in there with the bad man who's going to keep beating the crap out of you, but... Does it matter if the, quote, good guy's in there with you or not? You're really upset today that we don't have the United States Senate? Do you think that if we had a 51-49 Republican advantage in the Senate, anything would change in any significant way in the country? Do I need to remind you? Do I need to remind you that trillion-dollar bill after trillion-dollar bill under Trump and then Joe Biden was voted on by many, in some cases most, of Republican senator after Republican senator after Republican senator? Are you enjoying all that inflation? Are you enjoying the fact you can't afford anything anymore? Congratulations, Republican senators are as responsible for that as Democrat senators. Do I need to remind you, in the wake of the horrific school shooting in Ubaldi, when the communists did exactly what they do every time, they look at dead bodies and they cheer, they say, nice, that means we can grab guns, and they immediately start going after guns and saying, it's all about the guns, we got a gun grab here and gun grab there. Do I need to remind you that not only did Republicans betray you, Republican senators, The head Republican cheese in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, got up behind a microphone and publicly tasked the Republicans in the Senate to betray you. He did it to your face and 15 of them, not one, not two, not five, 15 Republican senators walked right across the aisle, gave you the middle finger and voted with the communists to take away more of your gun rights. Please don't tell me you're sitting there today bummed out because we don't have the United States Senate. There ain't no we, you, me. We were never going to get the United States Senate. Some losers that call themselves Republicans may have been in control of it, but they're not fighting for us. They're the controlled opposition. I woke up today, maybe you can call me cynical, maybe you can call me jaded. I woke up today, same as you did, rolled over, oh, Raphael Warnock won, and I said, huh, I don't care. It means nothing to me. Call me when there's an anti-communist party interested in stopping these people, and that anti-communist party loses, then I'll care. Then I'll care. Yeah, I wanted Walker to win. Of course I wanted Walker to win over Warnock. But how upset am I that we don't have the gavel in the Senate? Not at all. Let's be honest about who's really on our side and who's not on our side. Why are you upset? Why are you down in the dumps? Look, it's the same with the House of Representatives, too, to be frank. We're supposed to have this big majority But instead, we just had this tiny little majority. Kevin McCarthy might not even be speaker. All is lost. I don't know. What did you think a big GOP majority was going to do? Besides send more money to Ukraine that's unaccounted for, what what did you think the GOP is going to do? 
I should note that GOP leadership has already sig- it's already signaled that they will not stop a dime from grow- going to Ukraine. And no, we're not going to have any more accountability for it. So as your money continues to flood into Venezuela, because that's where military arms that we've sent to Ukraine is currently being found, do you really expect me to cry and whine that we don't have a bigger majority in the House? Who cares? Legal and local. That's how we save the country. So there's no Republican majority in the Senate. Like I give a crap. All right. Talk to a GOP. Well, then we're not going to talk to a GOP guy. We're going to talk to a Green Beret in about 30 minutes from now. We're going to do Pearl Harbor about 45 minutes from now. The latest and greatest out of New York. How many times have I been warning? Pay attention to New York. Pay attention to New York. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Before we talk about any of that, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about the fact that we now have a chalk box. <laughs> you see, from now on, when the losers in the GOP Senate screw us over again, and when they're asked about it and they say, I'm sorry, the, the media would have been mad at me, we are going to send them the brand new male vitality stack chalk box. Now, you're already taking male vitality stack. I know that because you don't want to be a low T weenie. Natural herbal supplements, not more chemical filth in your body. Natural herbal supplements, 20% increase in your testosterone in 90 days. Ladies, I know you're already taking a female vitality stack, but sadly, the United States Senate is not. And so they clearly need a little boost. Chalk's going to provide it for them. I don't think Chalk is going to give them 35% off a subscription like they give you, though. So... Go to choq.com, promo code JESSE, and get yours today. Get a subscription because you save so much money. Chalk.com, promo code JESSE. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Wednesday, on a hump day. Green Beret coming up in 10 minutes. Pearl Harbor talk for a half hour from now. It's just... It's going to be such a fun show. Just this one more thing. You're mad about the you're mad that we don't have the Senate today? You're mad that this guy isn't the Senate majority yeah. leader? Yeah, I would respond by saying today we gave the gold medal to the heroes of January sixth. <laughs> we admire and respect them. They laid their lives on the line, and that's why we gave a gold medal today to the heroes of January sixth. They laid their they laid their lives on the line? When, when did they do, do that? When they were shooting Ashley Babbitt in the neck for being unarmed? Is that when they laid, laid their lives? Where's her gold medal? You're really upset that that guy doesn't have control of the Senate? Well, I'm not. I don't give a crap. That guy doesn't deserve control of the Senate. All right. I, we're we're going to bring up uh, something. I can't tell what I'm looking at. With Elon Musk and Twitter and the FBI and James Baker and all these things, I'm going to bring that up about uh, right after we get done talking to Clay. I'm going to bring that up, but I want to come back to something I've been saying over and over and over and over and over again that you really, really, really need to understand if your area can be salvaged or if your area cannot be salvaged. And 
Keep in mind, it doesn't make you a tough guy or a tough girl if you say, I love my area, and I don't care how much it's broken. I'm never leaving. Now, you can stay or go. It's not, I'm not your dad. I'm not in charge of you. But do right by yourself and do right by your family and do the hardest thing in the world. I know it's the hardest thing in the world for me, so it probably is for you. Be honest with yourself. It's very, very hard to be honest with yourself. I have had many, many times in my life where I've had to take an honest assessment of myself. I didn't like what I saw. You remember I've told you this story before. I actually did go to a real university right out of high school, Montana State University. It was right there in my town of Bozeman, Montana. It's what everyone did. You got to go to college, right? And all that ridiculous stuff. And I went, I went went to Bozeman Senior High and then right into Montana State University. And I got a 0.0 grade point average the first semester of college. Don't get me wrong. It was a very fun semester. But at the end of that year, I had to do one of the hardest things in the world. I had to take an honest assessment of myself and who I was. And I didn't like what I saw. And that's when I went and joined the Marines. Decided... Whoever I was looking at in the mirror needed to grow up a little bit. But it's not just yourself. It's difficult to have an honest assessment of yourself, but an honest assessment of people and places you love. Let me ask you something right now. Just look, just just you and me talking. You don't have to send me an email and let me know, but just, just you and me talking. Let me ask you something. Do you have a friend, maybe a longtime friend, or this is even harder, do you maybe have a family member, brother, sister, mother, father, son, daughter, cousin, aunt, uncle, who is toxic? And you know someone's toxic. You know how you know? Whenever you talk to them, it's almost universal. Whenever you talk to them, whenever you get done talking to them, you feel like crap. Almost everyone has someone like that in their life. Do you have someone like that in your life? There's always some new drama, some new disaster, some new this, some new that, every single time. And when you get done, you just feel like you need a shower or or a glass of bourbon every time you get done talking to them. Let me ask you, have you ever had an honest assessment of whether or not that person should be cut out of your life? Whether you should remove that person from your life. That gets hard, right? When it comes to especially longtime friends. All these memories. What if it's a family member? What if it's your sister? That's hard, isn't it? It gets very, very hard when you talk about places as well. You know that I'm a notoriously cold person. Um, I have basically no feelings whatsoever. That's what the, li- the wife likes to say. But I will tell you this. I, because I've moved around so much, we moved 10 times in 10 years at one point in time, moved all over the country, back, forth, north, east, south, west. I've, I've lived everywhere. I, whenever I'm walking out of a place, a, a home specifically, or an apartment, if that's where I lived, and a town, I don't get all weepy, but I get a little bit nostalgic. It's natural. That's where we ate breakfast as a family. Oh, don't you remember? That's where we used to hang out with the so-and-so. Oh, remember all the great times we had? Remember we wouldn't watch, I wouldn't want, we used to watch the Giants in that bar. Do you remember that? It's hard to walk away from that, especially with history there. 
Have you seen the latest news out of New York? Are you ready to have maybe a difficult, honest assessment of where you're at? New York City shelter fired a woman for warning somebody that there was a transgender serial killer in there. Jury finds Trump organization guilty of tax fraud. We have a brand. New York has a brand. Oh, you sure do. Kansas doesn't have a brand. Yes, you do. Your brand is that you're gone. We're going to talk to Clay Martin, then we'll bring up that a little bit, and then we're going to talk about Elon Musk stuff, then Pearl Harbor. And I was running against uh, the woman overseeing the election. Then when when these uh, counties outside of Maricopa County looked at what Maricopa County did and said, wait a minute, when you run an election, that's a sham. It affects and disenfranchises our voters. Can you please prove to us what's going on here? Explain why the machines didn't work and the tabulators were all broken. Surprise, surprise, on election day, they all seemed to break down. Uh, and when they said we're not going to certify this, Katie Hobbs' office threatened them being locked up. It's like lock up or, you know, certify this election or you'll be locked up. Talk about, you know, working under duress with a gun to your head. That's exactly what happened. This whole system is a mess here in Arizona. It's not just an embarrassment. They're trampling on our sacred vote. And that's why I'm fighting it. You know, we had a movement here. Katie Hobbs, conversely, didn't even campaign. She was, we called her Basement Hobbs because she pulled the page out of Basement (laughs) Biden's playbook. She never campaigned. Maybe she knew that because she was in charge of the elections, it was going to go her way. But the people don't trust the elections. They don't believe the outcome. She sat there and certified this sham of an election, and we will be fighting it in a court of law. Uh, Carrie, can you explain the lawsuit that you and your team are pursuing? Well, I'm going to save that for when we when we bring okay. the lawsuit forth, and I think we're going to be bringing it forth next Monday. It's mm-hmm. five days, but when the fifth day falls on a Saturday, you can wait until the next business day. So we're going to be um, bringing forth our lawsuit, and there's a lot of challenges we're making. There, are, we we believe that we can show there's a widespread um, illegal votes being counted uh, to the tune of hundreds of thousands. Bottom line is we've got to get this in order. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, I'm too tired to keep fighting this battle." What is our choice. We have to look into our children's faces, our grandchildren's faces, and, and and let them know we're doing everything we can to ensure they have a solid, a bright future. And if we don't work to restore faith and honesty in our elections, our children will be enslaved by tyrants, basically. Really quick, how can you have a democracy in a, com- in a country where the government is suppressing speech? How can that be a democratic country? I believe it's called fascism, and they're always accusing us of being the fascist one. And, you know, they they spent three years talking about Russia, 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 the collusion story, and they didn't want to talk about... Uh, Hunter's laptop. They didn't want to talk about problems with our elections that we discovered in 2020 and we saw repeated in 22. When are we going to have a serious discussion about what's really wrong in this country? We don't have a lot of time left on the clock. And uh, you know, as Twitter said, I, what was the what was the, fir- the the term they used? We're on it. We're going to get on it right away. But we're getting on it in Arizona, and the people have had enough. We're sick of of the uh, uh, Katie Hobbs office and the Secretary of State's office and what they've been up. To to, and we're going to start fighting back, and we're going to be drawing up some uh, lawsuits in our election because we won't have elections that are run like they're run in third world countries. We I have totally too agree. much to save in this country to allow our elections to be run that way. 
Well, Godspeed. I, I, I think all pe- I think I would hope all people would agree with that. Carrie Lake, great to see you tonight. Thank you. Thanks. Go to Arizona. Floyd, you've got a story up on Western Journal. Uh, this is about big tech in Arizona, and I'm telling you, it's a brutal story. Tell us what you got, sir. It's it's absolutely stunning about Google and stealing the election from uh, Kerry Lake. Yes, uh, Robert Epstein, who is a premier uh, psychologist. In fact, he used to be the editor-in-chief of Psychology Today, was monitoring Google's uh, activities in real time during the election in Arizona. And we are reporting at Western Journal that uh, Robert Epstein, based on all of his data, believes that, in fact, Terry Lake would have been elected governor if it wasn't for the suppression of votes and the manipulation of information done by Google. And uh, he breaks it down in the piece uh, in a number of different ways. But uh, the focus is this. First of all, they manipulated search. Almost 80% of Americans, when they want to know something, they go to Google. And Google lies to them. Google, especially about campaigns and candidates, manipulates the information about different candidates. And they found here in Arizona that Google was manipulating the information about Terry Lake, who was the candidate for governor, also about Blake Masters, who was the candidate for Senate, and finally uh, about Mark Fincham, who was the candidate for Secretary of State. You know, actually, during the campaign, I saw this myself because um, we had uh, commissioned some um, research articles on uh, the Secretary of State's race. And it was astounding to see you had to get through to four pages before you found anything about Mark Fincham that was at all balanced. Pandemic's almost over, but maybe not. But it could be, but we don't know. There's a chance that it might be or it might not be. It's over, but almost over, but not really, but it's still going strong. It's surging, but it's a weaker surge. It's a weaker surge, but affecting more. It's affecting more, but it's affecting them less. It's affecting less people in a more intense way and more people in a less intense way. It could be done, but it's not done. It's important to get vaccinated, but if you do, you also got to get boosted. Until the booster rares up, and you got to get another booster, in which case you might still get it. You probably will still get it. You'll definitely get it. But if you're not boosted, you're going to get it less or more. And then if you're not at all vaccinated, oh, you're going to get it, and it's going to be worse. But for some people, it's still going to be worse, but not as many people will it be bad for. So I'm glad two years in, we finally got a handle on it. Well, it seems a lot of the uh, women's liberation movement of late, the sexual liberation and that you spoke about, it seems to advantage men far well, more than well, women. Well, no, no, it doesn't. Well, this is they get the no, sex without the responsibility. Yeah, 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 but it, it doesn't disadvantage men. It disadvantages a very small proportion of hyper-successful and increasingly predatory men. Because yes. it disadvantages most men because what happens is that when the sexual constraints are lifted off women, they all migrate to a very small percentage of men, 5% maybe. And then those men have an almost unlimited field of sexual access. And so you could say that's a benefit to them, but it's not because it trains them to be manipulative, Machiavellian, 
instrumental psychopaths because all they're doing is pursuing a string of pleasure-based hedonistic short-term relationships that's bad training if you want to be a reciprocal human being if you want to learn how to participate in a real relationship so and then it's catastrophe for the women because none of those men are incentivized to to form anything that approximates a long-term relationship and then the rest of the men are left with nothing yeah, so that's that's, that's disastrous. Disastrous, yeah, it's disastrous. Miss Kelly, uh, I am very pleased to recognize you for five minutes. Thank you, Chairwoman Lee and Ranking Member Biggs, Chairman Nadler, and Ranking Member Jordan. My name is Julie Kelly. I'm a senior contributor for American Greatness. For nearly a year, I have reported on the inhumane conditions at the DC Correctional Treatment Facility, which has been set aside to detain Americans charged in the Justice Department's capital breach probe. The Justice Department has sought pretrial detention for at least 100 January 6th protesters. And right now, more than 70 men are incarcerated at prisons across the country awaiting trial. At least 37 of those men are detained at the DC um, Correctional Treatment Facility. It's important to underscore to the committee and to those watching that these defendants have not been convicted of any crime. Most have no criminal record and some do not even face violent charges related to their conduct on January 6th. Many detainees don't even have a court date yet. They have been denied bail because prosecutors insist they are a threat to society based on their participation in the Capitol protest, and federal judges on the D.C. District Court have consented to the Justice Department's demand to keep them behind bars, while at the same time repeatedly delaying their trials into the middle and end of this year. The original rationale for keeping the January 6th protesters separated from other from the general population incarcerated at the DC Department of Corrections was to protect them from more violent criminals. It appears, however, that the DC jail for January 6th protesters is more of a political prison for Americans who protested Joe Biden's election. Detainees at the DC jail have reported numerous human rights and constitutional violations. A detainee I spoke with this week, an Army reservist charged with no violent crime, who nonetheless has been in prison since his arrest one year ago, confirmed the January 6th jail is under 22-hour lockdown due to COVID. It's nearly impossible for detainees to meet with their attorneys or access the discovery evidence against them. Defense lawyers have complained that it takes months for their clients to finally receive digital discovery materials because jail officials are withholding the evidence. The viewing of the uh, video evidence, especially any clip produced from the roughly 14,000 hours of surveillance video captured by Capitol security cameras on January 6th that the Justice Department designated highly sensitive government material, is under strict rules. It's nearly impossible for detainees to watch any relevant video concealed under protective orders. The situation is so egregious that the D.C. District Court formed a committee to attempt to resolve the problem between defense attorneys and detainees accessing their evidence. Judge Randolph Moss blasted the D.C. jail for withholding evidence from an accused defendant. I can't allow someone to sit in prison for this long without access for material, Moss said back in July, calling the delays utterly unacceptable and not consistent with due process. 
But six months later, the situation does not appear to be improving. Living conditions are also utterly unacceptable. Detainees do not have access to religious service, a law library, or even personal hygiene services. Some, they have not seen their families in nearly a year. Detainees have reported instances of racially and politically motivated verbal abuse. I am told the only newspaper distributed within the DC jail for January 6th defendants is a paper published by the Nation of Islam. Just this week, Marvin Bickman, a federal detention monitor for the U.S. Marshals Service, de detailed several issues at the D.C. jail for January 6th detainees, such as the presence of mold and maintenance of CPAP machines. Bickman reported that detainees who refuse to get the COVID shot are denied shaving gear and haircuts. Detainees who refuse the vaccine cannot have personal visits. Regardless of vaccine status, January 6th detainees are only allowed out two hours a day for recreation time, which means they are spending now 22 hours alone in a freezing, what I'm told, freezing eight by 10 cell. Again, these men have been convicted of no crime. Bickman again confirmed what I've heard from detainees, lawyers, and judges about lack of access to discovery material. Uh, uh, Bickman wrote in his report, we allowed, uh, they are only allowed access to computers to review electronic discovery for only 14 days, and that is not, and there are not enough computers to go around. This is a clear violation of the Sixth Amendment, yet Bickman still concluded that the conditions in the D.C. jail for January 6th detainees are appropriate and consistent with federal prisoner standards. I see my time is up. Thank you so much for inviting me here today. I look forward to answering any questions. Um, Ms. Kelly, as I mentioned during my opening statement, some of the January 6th defendants have been held in solitary confinement for extended periods of time. Uh, what have you heard from detainees and their families or lawyers about how these men are coping with incarceration conditions that simply are not permissible in the United States? Uh, thank you, uh, Ranking Member Biggs, for that question and for inviting me. It's, as you can imagine, extremely difficult. Uh, they were in solitary confinement conditions for the first several months of their incarceration based on the pandemic. And then though that uh, those conditions were loosened up a little bit, um, but now they are back to 22 hours in their cell uh, with only two hours out. That only gives them time to, that's all the time that they have to try to communicate with their family, their lawyers, to see the discovery evidence against them. And as I said, some of these men are not charged with any violent crime. And at the same time that COVID is impacting what's happening at the DC jail uh, for January 6th defendants, their trial dates now are getting pushed uh, further out. For instance, I covered a hearing this week for Robert Geeswine. He has been incarcerated for over a year, uh, not convicted of any crime, of course. Um, but he is now, uh, he will be in COVID isolation for 30 days based on the testing that's going on there. Even if someone tests positive in his unit, He's in, he was in 14 days isolation, came out, someone else tested positive. He's now in another 14 days. His trial was set to begin the end of February. Judge Sullivan just moved it to the end of April now. So he will be in jail almost 18 months before he even has a chance to defend himself uh, in the court of law. In October, Judge Royce Lamberth found the director of the D.C. Department of Corrections and the D.C. jail warden in contempt of court for repeatedly refusing to turn over medical records related to the care of Christopher Worrell, a former January 60 day knee who suffers from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. What happened in that case and what's his status now? 
So Judge Lamberth repeatedly asked for the medical records related to Christopher Worrell, who does suffer from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. His case worsened while he was in the D.C. jail. Um, he was denied medical care. He also broke his hand and was not getting attention for that. So his medical condition worsened. It finally, uh, a doctor decided uh, that he needed weekly chemotherapy, intensive chemo and radiation every week. And Judge Lambert had had enough finally. Now, Judge Lambert has uh, signed off on many of these pretrial detention orders, but because he was not getting the documents that he requested in October, um, he cited both of them for contempt of court. He also referred this case to DOJ for civil rights violations. I have no update on that. And then Mr. Worrell was finally moved out of the D.C. jail so he could get the care that he needed. I still don't think he has a trial date yet either. Who's Kathleen Landerkin? Um, she was the deputy warden for the D.C. jail. I believe she is still there. As you know, uh, Representative Biggs, uh, there were several Republican House members who signed a letter demanding her resignation after social media posts showed uh, extreme political bias against former President Trump and Trump supporters. Um, it was racially biased. It was politically biased, religiously biased. As soon as it, her posts were exposed to the public, she deleted her Twitter account um, that showed exactly who she was and how her views of the people under her care. Thank you. Thank you. My time has expired, but Madam Chair, I would like to submit um, uh, screenshots of Ms. Landerkin's um, social media uh, depicting what Ms. Kelly has just um, just uh, stated. Without objection, so ordered. Thank you. I think uh, most of you are familiar with the uh, very famous um, Asian Indian prostitute, Uruj. Actually, no, she's not a prostitute. She's a lawyer. I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's a big difference. <laughs> Uh, Uruj Rahman is a public interest lawyer in New York. And if it seems like I'm defaming her, well, it's very well deserved. Why? Because this is the woman, the activist who firebombed a police cruiser during the 2020 George Floyd riots. She's one of these so-called social justice warriors. And um, she was arrested and she was uh, facing 10 years in prison, which seems appropriate if you try to firebomb a police vehicle. But the Biden administration decided to start protecting her and pushing a judge. And this is U.S. District Judge Brian Cogan of the Eastern District of New York, liberal Democrat, to give this woman a very light sentence. And in fact, he did. So here's what she gets. 15 months in prison. Wow. This is outrageous. You've got January 6th defendants, nonviolent, who've done nothing, who have comparable or worse sentences than this, not to mention this woman was never in solitary confinement. In fact, left-wing activists came forward and put up money for her to be bailed. So she was given the opportunity to have bail. Why? Because she was not deemed to be a danger to society in the way that, let's say, just say some, you know, some uh, mom or grandmother or some guy in January said, there's a danger to society. We've got to lock him up right now and keep him locked up until trial. Why? Because he's, he's an election denier. Now, this woman, Uruj Rahman, and her accomplice, a guy named Collinford Mathis, these are people who they've been getting these glowing media profiles. Um, and now they evidently have this kind of sweetheart deal with the Biden DOJ and with a judge going along. So, I mean, justice is really 
about proportionality. The It's not just that you get punished, but the punishment should bear some resemblance, some proportion to the offense. And um, for someone who has engaged, uh, I mean, in, in a very premeditated way, uh, this uh, woman, Uru Draman and Mattis, her accomplice, were exchanging texts beforehand, talking about the importance of bombing all police fire stations. In fact, here she goes. I'm now quoting. I hope they burn everything down. Need to burn all police stations down and probably the courts too. So now, isn't this uh, domestic terrorism? Uh, it's premeditated. It's followed up with violent action. And all she gets is 15 months, two years of probation and pay a restitution fee of $30,000. And that may seem, well, $30,000. But this is a woman who makes over $200,000 working at a law firm. In fact, specifically, according to the court documents, she makes two hundred and fifty. Um, uh, she, uh, she makes $255,000 a, a year. So she's a very well-paid, very well-educated. Her accomplice, by the way, is a graduate of... Um, Princeton and New York Law School, she went to Fordham. So these are people who know better, uh, not to mention the fact that they have had legal training. So they, they can't say, well, I, I really didn't know this was against the law. That makes absolutely no sense. They're trained in the law. Um, and, uh, and so let's look at how she gets this reduced sentence. The Biden DOJ writes a document where they basically say she's, quote, uh, coping with unprocessed trauma. So she's undergoing some personal difficulties. She had apparently abusive partnership relationships. She's having trouble with um, with her relationships. She was, quote, taunted as a Muslim after 9-11. What kind of nonsense is all this? Uh, they also claim that, quote, her commitment to social justice should earn her a more lenient sentence. And sure enough, the judge goes on to praise her and says that she is, quote, a remarkable person who did a terrible thing one night. You can see the judge right away minimizing. It's sort of like, well, you know, she's led a very exemplary life. Well, there's no evidence of that. Where's her, what, what's exemplary about her life? Just because she's a left-wing radical and she's been in an abusive relationship, which probably she was giving as much as she got. Uh, she's traumatized. Well, people who have, who are strange and weird and get into weird relationships have trauma, very often trauma that they impose on others too or on themselves. So there's nothing admirable here. This is basically a woman who's decided to use violence to achieve political ends that she can't achieve any other way and she thinks it's okay and they planned it and so the fact you know we, we say multiple times that there is a, a two-tier system of justice in this country but it's not just at the highest level it's not just that the Clintons get away with it or Hunter Biden gets away with it or the Biden family gets away with it we see that left-wing activists on the street also get away with it It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Almost done with hour one already on the Jesse Kelly Show. I told you it was going to be a great night. 15 minutes from now, a little Pearl Harbor talk. Maybe you need a little Pearl Harbor 101. Going to give you some backstory on Pearl Harbor and some of the things that happened there. But I want to get back to this really quickly before I move on to a couple other things. I brought up earlier the transsexual serial killer. And a woman got fired for mentioning, ah, th this is a problem. And I brought up the jury finding the Trump organization guilty of tax fraud, a New York jury. 
I do want to remind you that she's not going to jail for this. This is just going to be one big fine, 17 counts, conspiracy, so on and so forth. But it's a criminal court jury in New York. What does this have to do with you? What does this have to do with you and your honest self-assessment? Well, let me ask you something. Do you have any level of state protection right now? You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me. I don't, I don't care. I want you to be honest. But Jesse, I remember I, my, we, when I was dating my wife, we would go have coffee in that coffee shop. No, no, I know. I, I know. I got it. I understand the memories. I understand what it's like to develop attachments to a place. I, I totally get it. That's not what I asked. What I'm asking you is this. You understand that you have some sort of a footprint in society, right? Meaning you, maybe you're on social media. Maybe, you, maybe you're listening to the Jesse Kelly Show on podcast. Maybe, maybe you podcast a show. Many people do. Tons of our listeners do. They wait and listen to the next day or something like that. Remember, you can download the whole podcast on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes if you miss any part of the show. Let's say you're downloading on, uh, uh, the podcast of it, though. Okay, well, that's a footprint. They, that's evidence. They know what you have. So let me ask you something. And I want you to be honest with yourself. Again, you don't have to be honest with me. I want you to ask you something. Let's say tonight you're going out. It's dinner night. You're taking your wife or your hubby. You're going out on the town. Maybe you're going to go to someplace nice like Red Lobster. And maybe you go into Red Lobster and you sit down and you enjoy some Cheddar Bay biscuits, as you should. And if you get a salad, which I wouldn't recommend, make sure you get the Red Lobster blue cheese. It's the best blue cheese ever. If you're doing okay financially, get the cheese sticks. They have really great cheese sticks. And then what, Chris? And then when the meal comes, when you what, here's what you order: you get the shrimp scampi, and then you get the Cajun shrimp Alfredo. I didn't say shrimp Alfredo, Cajun shrimp Alfredo. And you and your wife, you get all full of red lobster, and you're so full, and you had such a lovely time, cracked a couple jokes, just happy you're still connected after all these years. And let me ask you: you walk out of Red Lobster full and fat and happy. And some deranged lunatic walks up to your wife and says, hey, give me your purse. And he kind of reaches out for it. And you, the man, or your husband, depending on who I'm talking to here, reaches back and just plants one right on his jaw. Hits him real hard. He falls backwards. Uh-oh. Concrete sidewalk. Boom. Bonks his head. Uh, <clears throat> He's not moving. You pull out your phone, dial 911. Ambulance shows up. Hey, this guy's dead. Let me ask you something. You comfortable that they're not going to take a look at your footprint and decide maybe you're just a domestic terrorist? How's your local DA? How is that guy? Are you confident all the good cops aren't being run off of the police force? Let me ask you something else. This is just an interesting question. Just, just curious. Something you have to ask yourself if that horrible situation were to happen. What's your jury look like? Let's just say, oh, I don't know. Hypothetically speaking, let's say your DA is funded by George Soros. Maybe his name's Alvin Bragg, DA in New York City. Do you think he's going to look at your podcast downloads? And he will. And do you think he's going to decide this is a human being I should throw away? 
I should throw this human being in a dark hole. Okay, so he presses charges. Man, that's unjust. You're sitting there thinking, I, that's unjust. I was defending myself. And you're right, man. It's unjust. It is for sure. How's that New York judge? Who do you think she voted for? He voted for. How's your jury? New York City is 65% Democrat, I believe. Maybe 70, 65, 70%. It always hovers around there. Okay, so we got 12 people on your jury. How sympathetic do you think they're going to be to you when they find out that you texted a bunny, a, a, a buddy, a, a funny a funny joke a little while ago about some armed robber getting shot and killed and you made some inappropriate joke to your buddy? Ha, ha, ha. Guess he got what's coming. How do, what, do you think, what do you think the jury's going to say when the prosecutor holds that up in front of him and says, look at this person. He's been wanting to kill criminals forever, and now he got a chance to kill someone. This is a violent, maybe white supremacist threat to democracy. Do your job. Just asking. I'm just asking if you and your family have any level of state protection or do all the levers of power around you, do each and every one of them consider you to be an enemy of the state? Because I've got news for you. If you're surrounded by that, and you probably are, Maybe you should have an honest assessment of whether or not you and your family should still reside there. Just asking. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to do some history stuff. It is December 7th, 1941. Wait a minute. No, it's not, Chris. I wanted that to sound better. It's December 7th, 2022. But we are going to discuss Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941 here in just a moment. And I'll be honest with you. I'm probably going to talk about it a lot. And then when I'm done talking about that, we're going to address this FBI stuff, FBI, Twitter, all that stuff. We're also going to talk about life because sadly we live in a society now where it doesn't appear that anyone on the left values life at all. In fact, I think we now know they value death. I'm looking to get a headline right here. Canadian state-funded media says euthanasia will save millions in socialized healthcare costs. Boy, human life is so cheap for these people, isn't it? Is it cheap for you or do you value it? Does each life matter? Preborn is out there finding these young women who are trying to have an abortion. They're seeking them out. They're looking up how to have an abortion, where to get an abortion. And they're just reaching out and saying, hey, young lady, I know you're scared. It's okay. Let us help. Let's give you a free ultrasound. You you come in for a free ultrasound, it's free, no charge to you. And she lays down there, and she's still going to have that abortion, except she hears that heartbeat, and it's over. Now she knows she's not dealing with a clump of cells. She's dealing with a life. Go to preborn.com slash jesse and give $28 because that saves a life. That's what the ultrasound costs. Look, if you've had a great year, maybe you're donating from a business, which you can do. It's all tax deductible. Give 28000 An ultrasound machine costs 15000 Give that if you can. Preborn.com slash Jesse. All right? Sponsored by Preborn. Now, Pearl Harbor time. 